prayed for revival. You've read about reformation. It's time to start a revolution. God's business revolution is starting now. Join us as we talk about God using business owners, entrepreneurs, and marketplace leaders. Let's talk about God using you. Welcome to God's business revolution. Okay, this one may be a little rough. We, we, we are recording this one on the fly. Got a word. Got a word that you need to hear, and you need to hear it now. So, no time to do any fancy audio setup. We are plugging this one in and playing as we go. So, here's the deal. Let's start with this. Get your head out of your wineskin. You heard that right. Get your head out of your wineskin. Why, Tim, whatever could you mean by that? That sounds awful strong and borderline vulgar. Well, of course it does, because we need to get a point across. Mark 2.22, Jesus talks about putting old wine, putting new wine into old wineskins. And the old wineskins are so worn out, that the that the that they'll burst with the new with the new wine, and so what we proverbially do is we are constantly trying to take this new work of God that He is trying to do, and we're trying to take this new work of God and we want to stick it into the way we've always done it. I'm sorry. We can't put it in the way we've always done it. Church has changed a half a dozen times over the last, over the last decades and, and centuries or more. Church continues to change. And you know what? I'm going to use this word. You may not like it. Church continues to evolve. Evolve means nothing more than change. And we're using it in the true sense of the word here. And you need to grasp that concept. That as the church grows and matures, just like you personally grow and mature, you change. If the church is to become the bride of Christ, we have to grow and mature. We have to put away childish things and quit thinking as if we're children. Bottom line, we've got to mature, we've got to grow, and we've got to change. And quit resisting it. Quit trying to put this new thing that God is doing in your life personally into an old process, into an old wineskin. It's not going to work. You need to surrender in the process and let God change you in order to make happen what needs to happen in your life, in the church, and in the world. So quit listening to old ideas. Well, Tim, that's great. Do you have a scripture to back that up? Well, I already gave you the one in Mark. I already talked about putting away childish things. We know that the church has to reach this mature state in order, to, in order for Christ to come back. But let's go back to Isaiah 43. I want you to look real closely at Isaiah 43. And we're going to start with verse 18. When I look at verse 18 in Isaiah 43, this is in the New Living Translation. But forget all that. Forget what? He's just talking about all this escape from Egypt stuff. All this miraculous stuff to get these guys out of Egypt. God says, forget that. Forget it. That ain't squat. That's nothing. 
That is absolutely, absolutely nothing. Forget all that. Back to the verse. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Let me read that again because that did not sink in. Forget it. Forget everything I've done in the past, God says. It's nothing compared to what I am going to do. I respect and we can learn and we need to embrace every revival that has happened in our past. We need to honor every saint that has come before us. We need to honor the saints in the Old Testament. We need to honor the saints in the New Testament. We need to honor the saints of the 20th century. We need to honor every every saint that has gone before us. We need to honor every move of God that has gone before us. We need to honor every revival in every corner of every country that has ever taken place. We cannot not honor them. But we can't be stuck in them. We can't try to duplicate them. We can't do it. That's where Satan wants you. Satan wants you at a point where you are chasing the past. Where you are chasing something that no longer exists. It's one thing to honor. It's another thing to idolize. And when you chase the past, you idolize the past. And anything that gets between you and God and what God wants is an idol. And he says, don't put anything in front of me. And what we put in front of him includes everything, including the old ways we do things, including the old wineskins that are doing nothing but blowing up before our faces right now. Now, I have used this word. I have called the church impotent. I'm calling the church impotent again now. And I can prove that the church is impotent just by turning on the news at night. Any questions? I didn't think so. So here's the deal. You have got to embrace something brand new. What's the, defini- what's the definition of new? That's something that has not been done before. Oh, but first, before we start talking about embracing something new, let's go back and look at this warning again in Isaiah 48. We've got to cover this a little bit more. But forget all that, it is nothing compared... I'm sorry, Isaiah 43, verse 18. But forget all that, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do a brand new thing. See, look, I've already begun it. Don't you see it? It's as if God knows you don't see it and you're not looking for it. He continues, I will make a pathway through the wilderness for my people to come home. I will create rivers for them in the desert. Are you in the middle of a wilderness in your life? God says he's going to create a he's going to create a pathway. He's going to create rivers. He's going to create provision for you right right where there is no provision. But guess what? He's not going to do it in a way you're thinking. He's not going to do it in a way that you've he's not going to do it in a way that it has been done before because he is doing something new. He is doing something different. Ephesians 3:20, he's doing something far bigger and greater and more than you can possibly imagine. So get your head out of your old wineskin. For 
verse 20. The wild animals in the fields will thank me, the jackals, ostriches too, for giving them water in the wilderness. Oh yeah, even the, even the little animals are going, to, are going to thank me. Yes, I will make springs in the desert so that my chosen people can be refreshed. As a matter of fact, I've made Israel for myself and they will someday honor me before the whole world. Yes, this is talking about the children of Israel. But every time there is a reference to Israel... And the children of Israel and the, and the country Israel in the, in the Bible, that is a direct reference to you because you have been grafted according to the New Testament. You have been grafted. You have been adopted into the same family, into the same people. So this all applies to you. And then he continues. Even though I've done all that for you, and even though the animals uh, will thank me, the ostriches and the jackals will thank me, but my dear people, verse 22, you refuse to ask for my help. What? But my dear people, you refuse to ask for my help. You have grown tired of me. This is God talking to us. You have not brought me lands for burnt offerings. You've not honored me with sacrifices. Though I've not burdened you and worried you with requests for offerings and incense. I've not asked you over and over again. Hey, grace is there. Grace is done. But I've not asked you for this. I've not asked you to sacrifice anything. All my sacrifice, asking for sacrifices has been in the past. But, you know, there's this relationship here. Maybe you should consider it. Because you haven't brought me fragrant incense or pleased me with fat sacrifices. Fat from sacrifices. Instead, you know what you've done, though? Is you've not sacrificed anything, but you didn't. You feel perfectly fine with burdening me with burdening burdening me, burdening me with your sins. So no, you don't bother to sacrifice anything. But oh yeah, I'm the great forgiver. I'll forgive you. So you so you come to me for forgiveness, but you don't want to sacrifice. I think we've got an issue here. Verse twenty five. God says, I, yes, I alone am the one who blots out your sins, and you're absolutely correct. You should come to me and ask for forgiveness of your sins, and you'll never think of them again. But you've not sacrificed anything. So verse 26. Let's take a look at this together. Let's review the situation together. And you can present your case, if you have one. He's talking about this whole thing about not appreciating the provision that he has for you, not being prepared for the new thing, and not sacrificing what needs to be sacrificed in order to get done what it needs to be done. From the very beginning, your ancestors sinned all against me. Your leaders broke all my laws. That's why I have disgraced your priests and assigned Israel a future of complete destruction and shame. There are old wineskins in the church right now, preachers and leaders that are being torn down and being rebuilt because they need to be. Listen very carefully to what I'm saying, because this is a warning straight out of Scripture. This is a warning from your Heavenly Father for today to you. I'll say it again. Get your head out of your old wineskin. Get up out of your ambitious boy recliner, off of your blessed assurance, and get out there and go be the new thing that God is looking for. Sacrifice. Sacrifice what you have to sacrifice. Yes, he's forgiven your sins. 
He has, he has, he has. Now sacrifice out of thankfulness that he has put you in relationship with him. God says in verse 18 of Isaiah 43, you ain't seen nothing yet. And I have this picture of a grieved heavenly father on his knees crying because you can't see it. He says in verse 18, forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do a brand new thing. See, I've already begun. Don't you see it? You need to be in prayer. You need to ask God, what do I need to sacrifice to make a difference? What do I need to sacrifice in order to see the new work that you've done? God, forgive me for worshiping the past God, you are a God of the future. You are a God Almighty. And you said you're doing a new thing. You warned me, God, not to put old old wine or new wine into, into old wineskins. God, you have warned us. God, you said you're doing a new thing. You're constantly a God of new works. So God, please forgive me for dwelling in your past. Please forgive me for expecting you to repeat something you've done in the past. God, you're doing a new thing even better than before. So God, forgive me for not looking. Forgive me for not seeing it. Heavenly Father, you're getting ready to do a new thing. And God, you love me and you love who I am and you love who you have created me to be. So I stand firm in your word and I stand firm in the promises that you have for me. God, you have called me. God, you've called me to make disciples of nations. So Heavenly Father, I stand here firm with you and I stand firm to go out and to do a new thing and to be a maker of disciple of nations. Now, go back and listen to what I just what I just said, those words that God just gave me for you and I to pray together because you need to stand on those words and you need to go forward looking for the new thing that God's going to do. Why is this so passionate to me and why is this so personal to me? Well, maybe you can identify with it. God has called us into a new thing and he's called me to lead into a new thing. And that new thing that he has called me to lead into is a business revolution. God's business revolution. Because God wants to do things differently. God wants to do business differently. God wants to do church differently. We have done it the same way far too long. Here's a great example. One of the greatest moves of God and I talk about this in my book briefly, one of the greatest moves of God was in the 1970s, the late 1960s and early 1970s in the United States. This move of God consisted of a few different things that all happened at once. Now, thankfully, I was alive at this time. Do I remember it? Not necessarily. Do I remember the remnants of it? I sure do. I lived some of it. But during that time, here's what happened. One of the things that happened was that music started to change. Music in the church started to change. And there were some greats, and maybe you know these names, but there were greats like Randy Stonehill and Ralph Carmichael and Bill Gaither. 
who made a commitment and made a promise and started to do a new thing and a new work and brought new worship and new ways of doing worship to the church. I still remember a little kid's song called I Am a Promise that I heard recently that Bill Gaither wrote. And I've met him several times. In fact, he, Bill Gaither, used to be my Sunday school teacher. <laughs> and to stand in front of that man while you're singing a song he wrote in hymnal, I honor him. I honor him greatly. But it's time for a new thing. Here's another great example that came from that same time period. In 1972, there was a church that started up off of, off of Algonquin Road in the suburbs of Chicago in a movie theater. That church, known as Willow Creek Church today, was a forerunner of a new way of doing church, a new way of getting people in the door of church. Don't argue with me about whether or not it's the best way or whether or not, whether or not doctrine's right or whether, I don't care. What they did was they were a forerunner and they changed the way church was done and people flooded into those church buildings, into that movie theater. And and that spawned the Willow Creek Association. That spawned so many other community-type churches that followed, that followed their seeker-sensitive model. I don't care whether you agree with the fact that churches should be seeker-sensitive or not. You cannot argue with the fact that they got people looking for God in the door. God changed the way music was done in the church and the way church was done. It was a generational shift 40 or 50 years ago that now needs to be picked up and now needs to be changed again because it's another 40 years later and it's a generational shift and it's time to change the way church was, church was done. We've been guilty of honoring the past way too long and there may be proof in that because of some challenges that some preachers have recently, some preachers have recently had. We can honor the past, and we can honor what was done. I honor people like Ralph Carmichael and Randy Stonehill and Bill Gaither and Bill Hybels. I honor them. I honor them for what they have done, and I thank them for paving the way. But it's time for something new. It is time for something new to be done. Church has to be done differently. Church has to go outside the four walls now. If you equip the saints outside the four walls, the four walls will literally burst at the seams. And that is what we have to do. And my call and my leading is to show you the way to take the church to the business world and to be the church in the business world and to do business so drastically differently, so drastically differently, that people will notice Read my chapter, Economic Agenda, in my book, and you'll see the reason God has business in place and what God's economic agenda is. And one of the reasons is that so nations will notice. So here's the bottom line. Get your head out of your old wineskin. And wrap your head around the thought process. Wrap your head around the fact that God is doing something new and you need to see it and you need to go look for it because you need to be it.
thank you for being a part of God's business revolution. Thank you for being a part of a new thing that God is doing. And thank you for being a sacrificial servant of the Most High. Because we do have nations to disciple. Continue to join us as we go on this journey. Come on this journey with me. A journey of revolution. God's business revolution. Love you guys. Thank you for listening and thank you for joining God's Business Revolution. Be sure to follow us on social media and online at www.godsbusinessrevolution.com.